0: This is Mary Sell.
1: Welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News, our second episode of our glorious return to the <laughs> podcast. Mary, how you doing?
0: I'm doing well, doing well. Excited to talk about the week.
1: Yeah, the week that was in Alabama politics. Really, I was kind of thinking, it's been really a busy three weeks. If you go back to just New Year's and- right. And everything that's happened, we had the crazy week in Congress, uh, you know, following the speaker vote. We had a really busy organizational session week last week, which we had talked about. Right. Um, and then this week was the inauguration. And it, it right. all just kind of bled in to each other. I'm just, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm worn out.
0: <laughs> I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired. I feel like we're on like a, a slow boil up until the legislative session, which is still a good six weeks out, but... Right. I mean, it might as well be here.
1: <laughs> but and I'm like so grateful that it doesn't start next week. I kept I kept telling people that, like, oh thank God that we're not coming back Yeah, on like Tuesday with state of the state. I just couldn't couldn't deal. But anyway, so inauguration was this week. It was Monday. Obviously, the governor, all of the constitutional offices, you have the you know, the pomp and pageantry some people are really into that i think it's one of those things that you're either really into it love or it oh. or you just don't yeah <laughs> um and I, I mean i'm i'm kind of a little bit of both like i i definitely see value in holding the inauguration putting a lot into it right um i think it's good when institutions mark you know special occasions and and, and we remind citizens and voters who their leaders are and, and all that kind of stuff. And any kind of news coverage about that, I think tends to be a good thing. But um, what were your takeaways from uh, the governor's speech and, and really any of the other constitutional officers?
0: Sure. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's always a good day. And, it you know, got the the beautiful backdrop of the Capitol. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's a nice day. People can hear directly from, from their elected leaders um, but yeah, the, the, the speeches were were pretty much what you I think would expect. I think my my favorite line of the day was in Governor <laughs> Ivey's speech when she she reminded elected officials to you know focus on the job you have for the next four years and not the next election. Mm. Like <laughs> looking at you, Ainsworth and Marshall. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we'll we'll get to the, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But that's that's interesting. <laughs> um, is that is that uh, that's the the head boss, the 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 mom coming out,
0: right? Yeah, like, I mean, and obviously she didn't call out anybody's name, but that, that that was that was my first thought. But but yeah, focus on the jobs that you have right now. Focus on the next four years, and and she she laid out some definite uh, definite. Kind of agendas it was you know a little mini state of the state um talked hit education hard um and 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 followed through this week on that with with a few executive orders related to to education and Mm -hmm. and i think hinted at some of the priorities more priorities that we will see in march when uh during the state of the state
1: yeah and uh full disclosure i actually interviewed the governor today uh, for Capital oh. Journal. So she'll be on Capital Journal this week. And and kind of asked around those because, well, yeah, my big takeaway from her was was education. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in fact, I told her in studio, I said, you're not the first governor to mention education in your inaugural address. Probably every governor has done that right. since, since we had schoolhouses. You know? But she may be the first governor that's, go- that's gone so hard on the issue of school choice and specifically charter schools. I don't remember any governor really doing that.
0: Um, Well, but I mean, we haven't had charter. We've only had charter schools for eight years. I mean, we were, we were late to the game on that anyway.
1: Right. Right. Um, And, and one, and Bentley had kind of a mixed record on it. I mean, I could tell you stories, but like, he ultimately signed the bill, but he was really tepid. On that on that topic um as governor so I, I don't have to go back and read his speeches to to sure. be pretty assured that he didn't mission charter schools and governor riley i was obviously in that administration and those weren't really a part of the discussion until later in his term so okay. so you're right it's that's a fair point but, but, I, I, but
0: he, sorry go
1: ahead. go ahead
0: but yeah education i mean she it's yeah everybody every governor talks about education, every governor in every state. But I mean, she's got some tangible objectives. They have laid some groundwork for for some improvements there, um, and they've got a lot of money to play with coming up in the upcoming year. Yeah, so, yeah record, I mean, record amount, record amount, record uh, amount in the ETF. So yeah, I mean, she could really make this her her legacy issue. Her her final term as an elected official. After I was thinking today, like how many inaugurations, how, how many elections has has Governor Ivy um, been through? It's it's a lot. It's
1: a lot. Two. No, so yeah, education terms as treasurer, two terms as lieutenant governor. Now, right. Saying, so,
0: yeah. but yeah, she she's got the definitely has the groundwork laid to to leave a, a a strong legacy and and I mean it's important to the legislature too there's the, been a lot of work on the the numeracy act and the literacy mm-hmm. act so yeah they're they're queued up for for some significant uh work and hopefully results you know she said <laughs> she said she wanted to get out of uh, she wanted this education to be in the top 30 of states
1: yeah within so, 10 years i think is that what she said 10 years or by the end of her term, I can't remember. But
0: I thought she said by the end of her term. But ten years would be better.
1: Well, but it, in any case, it's a really lofty goal. And right, and I, that's yeah. Because I mean, we're, the,
0: we're we're bottom now. I mean, depending well, on being bottom, yeah, or bottom. We got a
1: little better on. We, we we actually got a lot better in fourth grade reading and math. Okay. But um, in the in the last nape scores, Nation's Report Card. But yeah, two years ago, well, I guess in twenty nineteen. We were last and second to last in reading and math, and so it's a hugely lofty goal. And it's not just like uh, we're competing against ourselves. Even if we improved a ton,
0: other states you know, are improving too. Right.
1: So we have to improve at a greater pace, faster pace than a lot of other states. So it's a huge goal. And and I I, I love goals. I like that. It's it's like hey, let's 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 really talk about what we're doing. But you know, she didn't have to do that. Right. You know, it it nobody would have thought twice if she didn't call out a goal like that. So I, to me, it's like, okay, skin in the game. Let's really set this. It's a little bit like her, you know, 500,000 workers thing, which is a little bit more nebulous, but like, that's a, that's a, that's a ranking that the state does not control. And so, right. so yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. She didn't have a whole lot of specifics in our interview. You, you can watch it, but um, so she's saving a lot of that for, State of the state, obviously, but but I'm curious about issues like, you know, are they going to go whole hog on this Arizona type law? Because, you know, Arizona did it and I think Iowa did it. I think Florida's about to do it. And this is the thing that was proposed last year, which is, you know, parents can essentially take what they either all of a portion of what they would pay in education into the education trust fund and, and take their kid to any school they want. And it's a, I mean, that's a earth shattering reform in Alabama. And there's, it could be some great things about it. could be some problematic things about it, but it'd be monumental if they tried to go after something like that. And more specifically on charter schools, the the big issue there is they get state money. They get federal money to follow students. They don't get local money. And that's always been the big bugaboo. Will they go after that? Will the governor be, leading on that or will it be more of like a budget thing so i'm curious about it but but i thought yeah education was the the big standout issue for the governor
0: definitely right i just googled it she said by the end of her term end of her term yeah
1: laying down the the gauntlet wow
0: (laughs) and by google it i mean looked it up on (laughs) (laughs)
1: alabamadailynews.com please subscribe um we got a lot of subscriptions, by the way. So, after that legislative breakfast, or I guess during, uh, a lot of the new lawmakers signed up. So, I was really encouraged nice. to see it. Yeah, they're Good. they're reading. They're reading. Good. Appreciate well, it. Well, and we'll get to that in a second. But, um, other takeaways. So, I was, I was struck by kind of this contrast between uh, the lieutenant governor and the attorney general, Steve Marshall yeah. and Will Ainsworth. Ainsworth, well, first of all, these are obviously the top probably candidates for governor in, in four years. Um, really, that race will start in two years, to be honest right. with you. Ainsworth's uh, almost- <laughs> I think it
0: started. Well, yeah.
1: Well, that's kind of what I was getting at is Ainsworth's running. I mean, there's he, he passed up two opportunities to run for U.S. Senate, races he would have been competitive in, decided not to, didn't want to be in Washington. So, of course, he's- something crazy would have to happen for him not to pursue the governor's office. Steve Marshall's a little bit more of a question there, there was some people trying to talk him into running for chief justice, which wow. actually would, would be in two years. And my understanding on that is those conversations went nowhere. Cause he's just not interested. Yeah. Um, so, but if you look at his rhetoric really over the last year or so, maybe six months, certainly in the campaign, I remember listening to his, um, Victory speech election night. And it, I mean, it was, it was a campaign speech, right? There right. was, was a lot of red meat in that, even some red meat that hasn't really trickled down to a lot of other folks in, in Alabama. So, anyway, listening to his speech, I described it as bellicose. <laughs> <laughs> like, um I mean, not angry, but aggressive, saying, right? Like, He's talked the, about, the, about yeah, but,
0: the last stand, the last, the last, the la- what,
1: right. Last line of defense talks about the Roman Empire, talks about World War II. Um, and I mean, just really aggressive stance and, and, you know, last line of defense against a national progressive agenda, right? Yeah. Um, whereas Ainsworth was, I would say, a lot more optimistic. It, yeah, to me, a lot it,
0: more, or better days are ahead, kind of. Let's talk about right. job growth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, his record on, Economic development, military stability, all that. I mean, it almost seemed like a dress rehearsal for, you know, here's what I would sound like as your governor. And the reason I found that interesting is if you would have taken a poll of Politico's, you know, uh, political observers before the speech, I think most of them would have said they would have expected Ainsworth to really go heavy on red meat, really just a bombastic kind of thing, because that's sort of his or has been his aura, you know, his, his persona, maybe part of that was COVID. And so it, but it wasn't that, I mean, there's, there was some red meat, but it was really more optimistic. Let's talk about the future education, economic development. So it's, it's, it's a real contrast and, yeah. and I could see appeal. I could see both speeches appealing to people in different ways, but yeah, I think you're right. It's, it sounded like a, a match in the making, and, and you, you sent me that that tweet. I guess was from Ainsworth, with both. The, you know, they're both from Marshall County. They're, <laughs> so they're like posing. You know, friendly. Yeah, the,
0: they, yeah, I think it was Ainsworth. He posted a picture on Twitter of the two of them, very friendly, standing in front of the Capitol together on Monday. And I, yeah, I <laughs> made a note to Todd, and like we want to save this picture for in a couple of years.
1: <laughs> yeah, and 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 f- from my understanding, they are friends and they're friendly but look politics is about running for stuff and that's what you yeah. do but so who knows maybe we saw a,
0: a little glimpse
1: a, a, a portelling of what's to come um well anyway it, it was a cool inauguration the parade Weir- weirdly enough I, I actually got sick the day of so i couldn't attend in person I watched it all on uh, but did make it to the to the gala and everybody's dressed up in there Fancy clothes and finest, uh, yeah. Yeah, it it was fun, but um, kind of. I think everybody's kind of glad it's over and wants to uh, to the, the governor most of all. She sounded like that uh, today. Yeah. So, oh,
0: that. I mean, the whole weekend was kind of sounds a little bit exhausting. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Well, and just a personal digression here. I, I. So today is we're recording this on Thursday night. It is. January 19th. It will be the 20th tomorrow. I just now got back running water in my house since my pipes burst over the um, Christmas freeze, that deep freeze Uh that we had. So this entire time from all these three weeks we're talking about, uh, I've basically been living in other people's houses. Nice. (laughs) My my parents (laughs) live in Prattville, so that's been helpful. Other friends. couch
0: surfing yeah
1: showering and and washing clothes at at other people's so yeah insult to injury like it was it was (laughs) was a long three weeks but we're all good now we've got running water
0: is toby okay
1: toby's okay he i obviously my dog toby any listeners that don't know he's instagram famous (laughs) um i think he felt a little homeless like why why are we living out of a while oh, living out of your truck,
0: <laughs> he thought that you guys were going to the pound again. He
1: <laughs> <laughs> was very confused. Um, anyway, we're all we're all good. Well, good. Getting, be, getting beyond um, all the the events, there is actually news. There's there's issues we're talking about, and it sounds like one of the first bills, if not the first bill, to be pre-filed, um, is one you wrote about this mm-hmm. good time issue. Uh, the governor had an executive order, but April Weaver's bringing a bill. So what yes. kind of walk me through this?
0: Okay. So yes, Senator Weaver from Shelby County has has brought a good time good time quote. i can't see the finger quotes. Good time bill uh, for uh, inmates. And we we've discussed this issue a lot last year because there was there was another bill. Uh, essentially, good time is supposed to be the deduction of time in prison for good behavior. And the current law sets classifications of inmates based on their behavior, their trust trustiness, their risk factors, and the the high, the best classification, the the ones deemed the most trustworthy, they can get for every thirty days, served, they can get 75 days knocked off their sentence, but basically being good. Good time. Um, And you will remember that last summer there was this tragic situation in Shelby County, I'm sorry, Bibb County, um, Mm -hmm. where
1: where april weaver represents him.
0: yeah i'm sorry did i did a few minutes ago did i say that april weaver was from shelby county she's from bibb, bibb county
1: bibb county but she represents part of shelby county okay
0: um tragic situation where two Bibb county uh, deputies were shot uh, and one of them deputy brad johnson was killed by a recently released inmate who had got been released on good time and this guy had his long rap sheet um including violent behavior and he had only he'd just recently been released um, and he ends up allegedly killing this deputy shooting another and this all happened uh senator weaver said just a few feet from her driveway and she knew she personally knew those two deputies she had mm-hmm. re- relationships with them so it it hit her, I think, especially hard. And she she talks about how like there's basically a command center in her front yard, um, and and pledging to do something about good time um, while she's working with with law enforcement officers. Um, so her bill, her bill just out of the gate reduces the amount of good time that people would be eligible for. I, I mentioned the seven day, 75 days knocked off for 30 days of good behavior. Um, it, her bill drops that down significantly. I think basically cuts it in half. Um, and it there, creates a list of uh, offenses um, that within prison would would make you ineligible for good time, including escape, inciting a riot, assault, well, so, yeah, that's,
1: And that's what I didn't understand is, like, in talking to her, like, this guy tried to escape.
0: Well, so he I, didn't try to escape. He escaped. He and that's the okay. issue. That's that's the issue with this. Um, his name is um, Austin Patrick Hall. He, in, in 2019, he escaped from a state prison, um, was on the run for a while, committed some crimes, was eventually recaptured but when he was released in 2022 there was some sort of delay and this still has not been made clear this chain of events that why he was released from adoc custody but he was released and he simply should not have been i mean escaping from prison is already a crime and but he was never charged with that 3 years later he was never charged with that so he was able to walk out the door in june of, or in early 2022 and then went on to kill uh, deputy yeah. Johnson. So, well, so I, I like, like understand. like two things there.
1: Well, Go ahead. Sorry. I, uh, two things there. So he's released on good time after the escape. So it seems to me that if you if you escape prison,
0: yeah,
1: shouldn't that wipe away your
0: right. Your so somewhere good along child? the line. And there was there was a sort of a chain of custody issue cuz he had committed so many crimes in different counties bounced around. I think COVID was a factor in where he was kept because, you know, at one point inmates were being kept at county jails and not going to prisons. There was, you know, I can't get anybody from ADOC or the AG's office to, to you know, confirm exactly what happened. But there was a mess up somewhere yeah. along the Yeah, well, clearly,
1: clearly. Um, Agencies so, not communicating, courts not communicating.
0: Right. So he should not, he should have never been allowed to walk out the door, I mean, escaping from prison is already a crime. Um, and so you'll you'll hear when this bill comes up, you will hear that from advocates, um, that this bill could potentially punish a lot of people um, based on a guy who shouldn't have been out of prison in the first place. Um, I but I absolutely also understand where Senator Weaver is coming from, uh, where law enforcement is coming from, because this is the second time in two years where somebody has, has left prison. we had the, the Sergeant Reisner bill mm-hmm. out of the shoals last year. Again, somebody who had gone to prison for killing somebody else was supposed to send spit, sorry, supposed to serve 10 years, got out in like three years and then went on to kill a police officer, allegedly. Yeah. I don't I'm not sure. That's I throw around a lot of allegories. just because Well, that's me.
1: yeah, to, to anybody listening that wonders about that, that's, that's the journalists oh. coming out like <laughs> we're, we're supposed to say it until they're convicted, right? So, yeah, so.
0: right. Um so that's got to be incredibly frustrating for for law enforcement. Um I I was struck um this week we so we were working on that story and then um, we ran a story this week from Kim Chandler about the um, very low percentage, all time low percentage of people being granted parole in Alabama right now.
1: Like
0: yeah. 10%. And she, she had this story about this woman, uh, 71-year-old woman who was, has, has been prison has served like 19 years she's in her 70s she's in stage renal failure has on dialysis in a wheelchair can't use the restroom by herself she was denied parole last week like i i need i need somebody to explain to me like what what the overall plan is here why why was this woman not released from prison but we have these other inmates who who are like i need I need somebody to make it make sense for me
1: yeah you know, that that's a that's a great point and and so I guess on the good time part, that's not parole. They're just being released no, yeah per per corrections to the department, all that pardons and parole that the board they're making those decisions based on I guess their calendar of how you know things come up, but that but right. is an that is an interesting um. It, yeah, yeah, To the, I, I think
0: the, the average reader, the average average person, you, you, these are two very different stories that make you think, what,
1: what? Well, I did talk to Steve Marshall um, today as well. Steve Marshall okay. is also going to be on um, Capital Journal. So we've got, I might as well just give, give a Good plug show. for the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've got Governor Ivey, uh, Attorney General Steve Marshall, and uh, Senate President Pro Tem Greg Reed on capital journal so please watch friday night 7 30 sunday at noon on alabama public television Mm -hmm. um but i asked him about that asking said you know 90 percent of paroles getting denied sounds like a a high number especially when you go back to 2019 and it was 70 percent
0: um
1: but of course they made a change in the law uh, based on you know that one case um where a or a someone who was on parole killed what two or three people Three um, people
0: being a child
1: yeah yeah so and his answer was like look that the he thinks that the parole board is doing its duty now more than then because they he, he says their duty is to protect the public safety not to control the prison population so i, I encourage people to kind of watch that and hear his answer but it is interesting that you've got these two issues at the same time the good good time policy being tweaked Mm -hmm. by the governor on the executive side, and then potentially in the legislature. I do think something like this though, just from my, I don't know, worldview is something that the legislature, this deserves to go through the legislative process and get debated in committee and figured out because oftentimes that leads to better policy. And, um, we'll see. I mean, I understand, you know, obviously Senator Weaver is very close to this issue and I'm, you know, respect that completely. Um, But the judiciary committees are going to have something to say about that and and what, what needs to happen. I'm sure. um, The department will have a lot to say about it too. So, but it it is a great story. So this is the most read story today and, and uh, really all this week. So good. Um, b- before we move on, I really wanted to get into or just ask you about, speaking of popular stories, you've been doing these new member <laughs> profiles, <laughs> and uh, it's we do them, we, we tried to four years ago, but just really didn't have the staff to do everybody, but All this right. year we've got, I guess, 37 technically new members of the legislature, 36, yes. I guess thirty. 35 brand
0: new new. and then you've got senator
1: coleman uh,
0: coleman who came up from the house and then um representative butler who is returning
1: he's back yeah
0: yeah so they're i'm saying 35 (laughs) yeah go through this list
1: so we've we've kind of staked out okay we're going to try to write about all of these new no 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 no
0: no no. you staked out (laughs) What? You're the, you're the editor. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, yeah. When you first said it, I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. We'll do that. Um, but then you said it in front of that crowd of people. And I was like, Oh, okay. We're really doing this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But no, I've got a list. We're going through it. We're calling people. Um, and they've actually been, they're, they're fun. Um, they're fun to do. They're fun to get to know these folks. Um, and people for the most part, you know, you, a lot of these folks are, you know, they're new to lawmaking. They're, they're. Some of them have some media experience dealing with the media. Some don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, we're just calling them up. I've got my list of questions. Some of the questions vary a little bit depending on the situation, where they're coming from, issues. But I try to just have a conversation with people, and like some of them have been hard to. To whittle down um, to to something readable, as f- because people just go on and on, and they like, oh, I want to talk about this and this issue and school choice and the, all excited. Yeah, they're excited. They're ready to go.
1: Well, so- I've just heard tons of good feedback from not just from the subjects of the stories. I mean, obviously, you know, they ran for office; they probably don't mind yeah. seeing their name in print. But from from other members who you know. Yeah, they, and I don't know from
0: them. Other new members, like I, we've actually, it's gotten to the point where, like at the state house last week, I had new members coming up and say, "Hey, I read about you know so and so, and that's cool." Like they're they're learning about each other a little bit. So yeah. um, So well,
1: who's you know, coming up? Can you can you?
0: We are. Who is coming up? We are working on one about. Uh, The newly elected representative David Cole in Madison County, he had that kind of tight. Well, it didn't turn out to be real tight, but his race was one of the the most watched because it was one that Democrats were trying really hard to to grab. It was Mike Ball's seat. And that that district has gotten a little more purple, not as purple as I guess we thought it was, because I think Cole won by like 60 some percent. But everybody, um, thought yeah, everybody thought it was going to be. super Yeah, everybody thought it was going to be be a little bit closer than it was. So we we've talked to him, um, and oh, we should also mention that we do. I do have some help on these. Well, um, yeah, I
1: was going to say um, Ainsley and Sailor are really have, have also been helping on these, and and they're yes. doing yes, good our work.
0: Intern Sailor, and then a freelancer Ainsley, both of them, um, Alabama students. Uh, Todd it was nice of your Ar- auburn heart to open up a little bit.
1: <laughs> hey, great journalism school.
0: Yep. Yep. As long
1: as they as long as they don't, you know, put <laughs> secretly insert roll Todd into roll Tide a story. Into I think stories. we're okay. So,
0: but um, I say all that to say that uh, I believe that Sailor talked to newly elected uh, representative Ernie Yarbrough from Lawrence County this week and he he was one of the one of the GOP challengers to unseat an incumbent. So
1: yeah, he beat Francie Robertson. Yep.
0: Yes, yes, and I know he is real big. He's one that is talking a lot about school choice. I believe his children are homeschooled, and so he will be talking. I, I expect. I haven't seen the story yet, but I expect to to hear a little bit um, about. About his his hopes for school choice, and I'm hearing that from a lot of the new members. School they, they choice, school choice, and they're they're serious about it. So it's like the
1: it's like the Princess Bride. He says,
0: <laughs> I, don't you, "I don't think that means."
1: You, what... <laughs> yeah, you keep saying this word. I don't think you mean. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... I, 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 I've said this before, but it's like. It's a. It's now become a, a, an issue that you can just say, yeah, I, I support school choice. It means vastly different things to different right. people, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be following this through the through the session because there are those. Take for instance Terry Collins, Representative Terry Collins, who's been in this, you know, education reform, yeah. conversation for twelve years. Yeah. Um.
0: And I don't think she gets the credit she deserves a lot of times. I mean, she's she's she carried that charter school bill for several sessions. Well, she and yeah, for and,
1: that and literacy act and all, all that. So, um, and so you just you throw out school choice and it, it can just kind of mean anything, but it's, it's right. going to come to. I mean, the rubber's going to meet the road in the, in right. the session because they're going to have to figure out what exactly they're talking about. But and they're going to hear from AEA uh-huh they're gonna hear from superintendents they're gonna you know
0: yeah um really that's, strongly that's one of the questions that. that i try when i'm talking to people i say all right school choice is a topic that we're going to hear hear about what does that mean to you does that mm-hmm. mean and i mean bottom line i think we're where we really get into the nitty gritty is does that mean taxpayer dollars following a kid anywhere that the parents want to go? Cause that's, I think that's going
1: to be the Arizona type. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and what, cause that
1: was dead on arrival last year. I mean, Del yeah. Marsh and Charlotte Meadows introduced it and it, I mean, nobody thought it was going anywhere and it, and it wasn't. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. It, it's just interesting to me how people will like, Politicians will notionally bring up something, right? Yeah. I'm, su- I'm yeah. supportive of this, but when the details come out, it's like, Oh, I don't know.
0: Yeah. So we'll,
1: we'll see how big those commitments are. But again, on, on something like charter schools, which again is school choice. It's just a specific tenant of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have an existing program and will they try to, I mean, the guy and it was in the governor's speech. Like, will they try to get more support for that? Um, you know as opposed to and and then if you're if you're aaa or the superintendents which are you fighting right are you, are yeah. you really opposing because char- obviously they're opposed to charters um are, are you fighting that or are you fighting this other thing um the the bigger take your money and and walk so anyway right. that's yeah. we'll 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 need to do a whole different pot on that just and yeah. maybe have some guests on that can argue yeah. about it and whatnot
0: yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, that, that term, that is a big, big term, and yeah, there's a lot to break down between now and March, yeah. or, or or June, I guess, <laughs> the, <laughs> the end of the session.
1: Yep. Well, I guess that's about all that we can report from Montgomery. Um, But there's a lot, actually, that happened in Washington this week.
0: Yes, and you wrote. A very nice little wrap up for us about all the committee assignments. I appreciate that
1: yeah, every now and again, I mean look, it's been five years since I left Washington, but every now and again I'm like, all right let me let me knock off the rust <laughs> and um and write about this, but it's important because so I think most listeners to this podcast it goes without saying you're in congress you, the you're success, your effectiveness is largely based on what committees you are placed on. And this happens in different ways. Like some, some times it's about what your interest is. Like if you're a tax attorney, well, then you're going to want to be on ways and means. That's the one that Mm -hmm. writes the tax law. If you're a trial attorney, you want to be on judiciary because that's your, you know, kind of thing. If you're have a background in agriculture, you know, that kind of thing, or it's your district. Right. right. If your district is, is largely farm based, you want to be on the agriculture committee. You want to have a seat at the table for the farm bill. If you have a large banking community, you want to be on financial services. So, you know, that, that's kind of how it goes. Um, or you kind of, you know, plant yourself for the long term. That's a lot of times what happens with appropriations, like with Shelby.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so for the longest time, for decades, really the Alabama's power DC really was focused in the Senate we had Richard Shelby who served for 36 years um, okay. I mean Biden his time on appropriations to finally get the chair toward the end of his career but you, you forget we also had Jeff Sessions who was there for 20 years
0: right so
1: so at the point when sessions left he was there for 20. Uh, Shelley was there for thirty, so we had fifty years worth of seniority.
0: That's yeah. a lot,
1: especially mm-hmm. for a state like ours. But that is all gone. <laughs> now we have a a total of two years of seniority in the, in a couple of weeks, right? With with Toberville and now Katie Britt. So it's interesting that the paradigm has shifted. Now that that influence that the state has has now it now resides in the House, where members have some members have have bided their time for years for decades. And now they're in influential spots. I'll start with Mike Rogers, Mm -hmm. uh, Congressman Mike Rogers from the third district is now officially chairman of the house armed services committee. It's just a big deal. Um, and it's a big deal for him. He actually was in line to be chairman of, um, house, uh, Homeland security committee that was back in, I guess, 2015. Yeah. I I I
0: didn't remember that.
1: Okay. It's, it's a lesser committee, but I mean, it's a chairmanship. And so, and Aniston has a Homeland Security um, facility, like a Mm -hmm. a big thing up there. So, and he, he kind of got hosed out of it. He was in line, but the steering committee had more um, influence from Ohio and Texas. And so he just, he kind of got passed over and it was, it was just, it was a bad, bad day for him but he's been on armed services ever since he's been in Congress. And so finally he's, he's assumed the chairmanship. This is the committee that writes the NDAA, the national defense authorization act. This is the policies and programs for the entire department of defense also authorizes how much they can spend and what they can spend it on. So it's just, ah, it's, it's gigantic. And, um, the, the way the committee works is that's, yeah, they write the bill and sure they vote on it, but the chairman really controls that process. Mm. And so it's huge for Alabama because we have so many military assets, but, you know, Maxwell, Fort Rucker, um, Redstone Arsenal, but also like dozens of military installations. There's also Anderson Army Depot right there in his right. district. So a huge deal for him uh, and, and exciting, uh, you know. Could, uh, I always think, you know, thinking back to when he lost out on that homeland security, like man, that's that stinks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of nice to see. Um, and by the way, I should stop now and say people should read Stephen Boyd's.
0: I was waiting Monday for a, waiting for a way to work that in. Yeah, that that is really toast- he
1: should be on here talking about it.
0: Yes, yeah, I he really should. Um, but Boyd's column in general is really insightful. So I, I hope people are reading it. Well, I know people are reading it, but I'm, Oh yeah.
1: It's been horrible. a huge I have been we're well, not surprised. I knew it was gonna be popular, but it's it's getting passed around not just here in Alabama but in DC. And that's uh, awesome. That's pretty yeah, cool. like a
0: bird's eye view. But yeah, the, the Rogers, his his insight on the the Rogers uh Kerfluffle um last yeah. week is is definitely worth reading.
1: Well that yeah maybe we'll do that Next week, and just have him on to explain. You know, for anybody that doesn't know, Stephen Boyd, long career on Capitol Hill, recently left his position as chief of staff for Toverville. He's going to the private sector. He's gone to the private sector to um, join a, a lobbying firm that he's uh, partners with, and um, but he's also agreed to write a column for us that sort of updates everybody on uh what's going on in DC it's awesome Steven and I worked together for years and um so it was just a natural fit. And I'm really glad it happened. Yeah but, and he's anyway. a really good writer like
0: it's an enjoyable read it's, it's not like oh, I gotta read about what happened in Congress.
1: It's <laughs> like it's good. Well, and it's it's written as like a brief like you're a yeah. member of Congress you're getting briefed on the week. Yeah. All right so I'll I'll try to run down these okay pretty quick we got distracted. So, Go. so Adderhold, Robert Adderhold. I mean Sure. Rogers being chairman of armed services, that's obviously, you know, it stands out, but Robert Adderholt has been on appropriations ever since he got to Congress in 1996. And that, and that's, this is a committee where people wait decades to Mm. really, you know, just like Shelby did. And so he is now going to be chairman of the subcommittee on labor, health and human services and education and related agencies. That's a mouthful, but that's Mm. a really important, subcommittee Um, it's actually the it deals with the second most amount of money apart from the Department of Defense right defense is a huge budget but other than that it's Health and Human Services education and labor Um, think about the entire HHS budget it's a huge amount of money but specific to Alabama think about all of the biomedical research going on in Mm -hmm. Birmingham I mean with UAB Southern research You've got in Huntsville, so, uh, Hudson Alpha doing amazing things. Also, South University of South Alabama. So it's a hugely influential role. And also, let's not forget that if Republicans hold the majority in this next Congress, not this Congress, but the next,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and all the rules stay the same and nothing crazy happens, then Adderholt will be in line to be chairman of the full Appropriations Committee. And that is one of the most influential positions in all of Washington. And so, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, but I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, it's a huge, huge deal. Kay Granger of Texas is chair right now, and she's only got two years left in her, you know, time that you can serve there. So just to think about that, I mean, it's a hugely influential role. You're you're writing the bills that fund the entire government. You saw what Shelby did with that in the Senate. And so Adderholt's got that opportunity. But also I think about Alabama could be in a position where we have the chairman of the house appropriations committee and the chairman of the house armed services committee at the same time. That's crazy.
0: That's powerful. Well,
1: I read the other day that, um, just military stuff between the bases and the industries and everything is something like 5% of our GDP, which is a, pretty big chunk mm-hmm. so that's a that's a big deal and so anyway so you see what I'm talking about like the influence is shifting to the house right um running down the list gary Palmer um, he's going to be continuing his role as um, chairman of the gop policy committee that technically puts him on leadership i mean it's not like he's one of the top leaders but he, he's in he's in the rooms at the table um and that's nice and he's He's very comfortable there in, in the ideas realm. You know, he was policy, policy. Alabama Policy Institute uh, CEO for a while. Um, he's also on Energy and Commerce, and that's a big committee because it controls or has jurisdiction over not just energy policy but healthcare policy. And so, if you think about the healthcare industry in Birmingham, uh, so that's that's hugely influential. Um, Jerry Carl. Also got on appropriations, which is a big get. He mm. has been wanting this. He's you know now in his second term. It's it's good to have two appropriators on for, you know from, from our state. Traditionally, that that's been the case. So you, you go back to you know Adderholt's been on there for a long time. Uh, you, it was Joe Bonner from Mobile for a while. Once he retired, Martha Roby got on appropriations. So there's always been two appropriators on the house side. So it's, it's big for, for Jerry Carl. Um, Terry Sewell, obviously the lone Democrat. She's going to keep her position as chief deputy whip. Um, we, we haven't had an announcement yet, but she's expected to keep her position on ways and means. That's the committee that writes tax policy. So a, a really sought after committee. You know, she's going to be in the minority minority again, mm-hmm. and she's no stranger to that during I guess from twenty eleven to all the way up to twenty seventeen, she was in the minority. Mm -hmm. But she tends to like back during those Obama years, she had a really close personal relationship with the Obamas. Right. She she went to law school with them, And, and it was really interesting how Terry would work. She would, um, nobody would ever like send press releases out about this or talk about it much, but she would do so much to get little things that. The Republicans couldn't really go ask for, you know, uh, mm-hmm. from from the White House. And it was really interesting how that dynamic worked. And now I think that same thing's working in, in the Biden administration. But when Trump was there, it was kind of the opposite. It was like, mm-hmm. OK, the Republicans have a better connection in the White House. Let's remember to ter- return the favor to, to yeah. Terry and, and get her what she needs. So um, I expect her to you know, continue to be effective. Barry Moore. Uh, he got a feather in his cap for uh, landing a spot on House Judiciary Committee, especially considering he's not a lawyer. Um, most times, a lot of lawyers get on this, but House Judiciary this is they have jurisdiction over the Department of Justice that includes FBI, ATF, all those other agencies. And you know, you hear Republicans talking about they want to investigate Biden, they want to investigate sure. DOJ, and all this. That's where a lot of that's going to happen, and so yeah. that seems.
0: I'm assuming he requested that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that's a huge committee to be on or influential committee to be on.
1: It is. And I actually, so I participated in a teletown hall the other day that they, they, Mm -hmm. they call you up and
0: yeah, I get the, I I still get those calls from him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I was finally able to answer and you know, they didn't, they didn't ask like, are you media, but all right. But, um, that was one of the things he said. He's like, I'm really hoping to get on judiciary to, to be a part of the investigation. So, you know, he obviously scored that. And finally, uh, this is significant. Dale strong. He's the newest Congressman from the fifth district, replaced Mo Brooks. He's landed on house armed services. Really big get, especially as a first term Congressman. But you know, all of the defense industry stuff in Huntsville, Redstone Arsenal, and just dozens of contractors really important to his district. So all that I know that we went long. I I am not blowing smoke when I say I was honestly impressed by the committee hall. I knew Rogers was gonna happen. I knew Adderhole was gonna happen, but these others, it's actually pretty impressive. And and so Alabama's set up pretty well in this next Congress.
0: Good for them, good for Alabama.
1: <sighs> yeah, we'll we'll see if they I mean good committee spots, but it's I think it's the whole, you know. Majority minority thing that, mm-hmm. and 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 the effectiveness of the new majority that's maybe going to be the problem. Anyway, that's that's your report from Washington. We'll have Stephen on next time to really give us the yeah lay of the land because it's been it's been five years since I lived up there.
0: Well, no, I appreciate that. That that was that was very helpful. I cause saw a lot of the press releases. Oh, this person and this person and this person and. You put it all together for us. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, anything else? I'm, I mean, we're kind of running along, but um, I feel like we've hit inauguration, s- prisons, paroles. Yeah. All that. Oh, I was
0: going to mention that you said so we, we started talking about Ivy and education. She did come th- She yesterday did sign four executive orders related to to education and, and some of that groundwork she, she's laying. So I'm you know, one of them was the the, the Dolly Parton um, oh yeah book Foundation to give they send a book once a month to kids for free until they're five years old It's an early early literacy uh, effort so the state will soon be part of that um, there's a sort of a, a, a she formed a committee to make recommendations just in general and improving. Uh, improving education they have to have a report to her I think by December Um, there was a uh, apprenticeship setting up an apprenticeship program to address the teacher shortage which we've reported on um, um, off and on for the last four years but to to allow paraprofessionals and teachers aides to move up into actual teaching positions so again we're we're gonna see this education talk is is definitely uh, a a theme that we're gonna
1: yeah not wait, not waiting for the session to start that, right
0: know,
1: that's so. that's interesting well uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't give another plug to Capital Journal you can hear Governor Avi talk about those executive orders the Attorney General talk about some of this prison stuff and Senator Senate President Pro Tem Greg Reed talk about the upcoming session ARPA uh economic incentives all that on capital journal friday night at 7:30 and sunday at noon uh, but with that Mary another week is gone and we're and we're grateful
0: <laughs> yep now um we got to get up tomorrow and write about unemployment new unemployment numbers come out friday morning
1: that's so. right any any bets we got we got to hold pat or
0: uh, i'd say hold pat yeah
1: Okay. Well, by the time people listen to this, it will always oh. already be out. So,
0: well, sorry. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs>
1: me too. Me too. All right. Well, with that, thanks a lot, and uh, we All will right. talk to you next time.